Today's guest needs absolutely no introduction. Tora Bright is one of the most successful snowboarders in history, an Olympic champion plus silver and bronze Olympic medalist. Tora has achieved feats that were previously unheard of in her sport, pushing the limits of what's possible in the halfpipe and redefining what's possible in female snowboarding and the sport in general. Tora is known for her fearless execution of technical combinations and progressive tricks have made her a household name and one of the most impressive and talented athletes in the industry. Tora is also the international face of Roxy. She's ventured into filmmaking and produced an acclaimed environmental IMAX film, and she's also a very proud mum. In this episode, we dive into the world of elite sport, exploring the highs and the lows that come with pursuing such an ambitious career. As a long-term friend, I am so grateful to have had the opportunity to sit down and discuss with Tors not only her snowboarding career, breastfeeding in a headstand and how Chuck Norris saved her life, but it's really her infectious and honest conversations around how she manages to balance her career with her dedication to health, life and motherhood that I think will really resonate. I so hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome. My name is Steph Prem and I'm your host of Mindful Mess, a podcast where we speak with some of Australia's favourite sporting, health and business personalities about how they find balance in today's world. Mindful Mess is proudly sponsored by Medibank. You're only human and what an incredible human you are. Hello, beautiful. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Welcome to <laughs> Mindful Mess. I mean, things we've been just we've been off air talking about the mess <laughs> for a while today. We're catching up. We haven't seen each other in so long. So I so think long. It's been good, and we've touched on a few things already. I think similar to the discussions we always have as friends, anyway. Where yes. We're good at discussing the ups and downs, you know, the ebbs and flows of life or, you know, essentially I think the, you know, the calm or the pursuit of the calm and the content and the happy that we all want. And the shit, <laughs> you know, and just the shit. Can I say that? You can absolutely <laughs> say that. And the shit. Yeah. Exactly. It's all, it's all part of it. It is all part of it. And that's why you're here to share some of that with us today, which I'm so grateful <laughs> But, I mean, I can honestly say knowing you, you know, going back to our Walmart days, <laughs> I mean, you're probably 16 then. I'm, I think we met when, I think you were 13 or 14. Junior Worlds. Was that when we met? No, we would have met before Junior, Junior Worlds. Worlds. Was it that the first time? Okay, so you posted on social media recently <laughs> about your 14-year-old self. Yes. Yes. Right? <laughs> There's this gorgeous post. You're in your, like you referred to it as your Roxy superhero jumper. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this yellow hoodie. And you talked about oh your fearlessness, you know, and your buckets of um, courage. And, I mean, that's how I met you. I remember you in that yellow <laughs> hoodie. That's how you turned up, you know, to the Sapata Junior Worlds. It's ex- like exactly how I met you and you had this. I still would have been wearing that yellow sweater too. Oh, 100%. That's how you got off the plane. Like, <laughs> I remember you walking into the hoodie. I thought it was so cool. I so wanted that Roxy hoodie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you talk about in this post, you have to, if you haven't looked at it, go and have a look at Tora's feed. But you talk about your determination and your self-belief. And I just, I thought it was such a beautiful acknowledgement to yourself. I literally was like, I've got to share these pictures. Like these, these moments mean so much to me that I had like started writing something and it was like going into more detail and wanting to thank the people that got me there. And then I'm Mm. like, came back to it and I was like, this is just an an appreciation fuck yeah moment to me. (laughs) And so I was just kind of like, whoa, like all of these things that I was like, it's still in me. It's still me, but like you know, maybe I need to draw on that a little bit more. Um, That's what right I wanted now. to know. Like, yeah. did you think you lost some of it along the way? Is that what prompted the reflection? Like, I I was curious. Yeah, well, definitely, like, you know, I'm in this different, you know, I'm still snowboarding, I'm still doing my thing, but I'm in this different phase of life. Like, yes. I'm, a, I'm a mom. Yeah. And it's the best job I've ever had. 
But there is a little bit where you lose yourself. Like when you have a newborn in your arms, like (laughs) you can't shower, you can't Mm. pee, you can't like, you know, I'm like, it's it's so hard, you know, the most joyous days. And I still like today I get this hit of serotonin, like my baby's still in my bed. I'm still breastfeeding. Like Mm. I wake up happy and joyful and present all day long. Like it is like amazing, like best thing I've ever done. Motherhood is like literally the best thing I've ever done. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, you 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 give up. I guess not give up. You, it's it is it's sacrifice in a way, but it's like possibly nothing, temporarily. Yeah, nothing is about you in that moment. Mm. Like mm. this, you know. Mm. I think I read somewhere that like human infants are like the least developed of all the mammals. So like literally. Mm. You, they need you, Correct. you know. They <laughs> they depend need you. on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, and my my kind of philosophy of parent, parenting is just keep them close, and so that's what I've always done, and I love it. He's nurtured, I'm nurtured. You know, like I'll just it's beautiful. But yeah, there's moments where I'm just. Oh, I cut my hair short actually because. <sighs> Well, because I just couldn't brush my hair. <laughs> Honestly. Leaving, <laughs> leaving the house going, shit, I didn't brush my teeth or brush my hair. My hair today. <laughs> I was just commenting, so, I love the new mum bob. It's thanks, such, thanks. I've only ever known you with hair down, you yeah. know, to your hips. So this is such a new phase for I you. I know. And I, I like it. I really, I really like it. But I'm like. I feel like in my goddess element when I've got my long hair. Yes. But I'm like, it's cool, young and free. And I don't think you've lost that. I mean, full disclaimer, I think (laughs) think you've always been that courageous, always been very determined, hardworking. I mean, I don't think you've lost any of that. But I think as we get older or as we face more challenges or pressure points in our life or, you know, and especially judgment, in life, I think plays a part too. I mean, is that why it changes? Is that, I mean, sure, motherhood played a huge role for you too, but there's a lot of other factors. Yeah, I think, um, I think the reason why I was allowed or not allowed, but Mm. the reason I was that girl was because no one told me I couldn't. Mm. No one did. My mother didn't. My my dad was already telling me I need to do the double flip, you know, before the doubles were a thing, you know. Yeah. It was always encouragement. It was always, you know, even my brothers. Like, you know, my brother became my coach. And, yeah, no one, no one told me I needed to do it any other way than what I was doing it. And I think that's where we go wrong. Society tells you there's one way to do it. There's so much power in that. Yeah, yeah, I got to be me. Yeah. I was literally given the space, given the space to be me. And and I think just, you know, I'm as I said, I'm still all of that. It's just the focus isn't on me. And mm. I think like you I mean, ebbs and flows in life. Mm. You know, it comes, it goes. Like, you know, I had uh an incident, an incident, you know, the scenario where I decided to add a picture of me breastfeeding and a headstand, you know, to one of my Instagram feeds. And that rattled me. That was an amazing moment. (laughs) I thought it was pretty cool. I was was, just copying somebody else's picture. It was beautiful and raw. It was beautiful, raw, and it was, and to be fair, it was made out, I think, in the press that you were the only person that had ever done this, whatever. You were, you'd seen a a trend or like you said, another picture of it online and you thought, I'm going to see if my baby crawls to my booby. When I'm in a headstand. And he did. And I can do a headstand. He doesn't care. That primal attraction, it was like, oh. It's a phenomenal (laughs) photo. (laughs) And there was a lot of backlash around it. But I think, you know, going back to that goddess in you, I think it was just one of those moments. And anyone that knows you, it wouldn't surprise you. Like I saw that picture and I was (laughs) like, of course you're breastfeeding in a headstand. (laughs) That just makes sense. Like, well, and you know, not to make it something, but like that to bring it in, like that, that did rattle me. That did cause me to question myself. Like, mm. I hid for a week, just going, like, 
what the fuck is wrong with people? Can I swear? Of course you can. (laughs) I'm just kind of like, why is this triggering you so badly? Like, if you don't like it, move on. Like, Mm -hmm. so it does come back to that pressure and those judgments, and it does change us. It it does. does It makes me question. And it's like I didn't post it as my main picture. I wasn't going, look at me, look at me. Like, it was was one of ten photos that I chose to put in. You know, my post to celebrate me as a mother. And everybody took it on in their way to go, well, you know, you're lucky you can breastfeed and that's an unrealistic representation of breastfeeding. You know, everybody Mm. took it in their own view. And, yeah, that one one was challenging because I'm like, whoa, I'm still a new mother. I still need support. And you think like, and for me, like becoming a mother, I was like, well, I've just entered the coolest game. <laughs> like the coolest cuz nobody else understands what it is or what it takes to be a mother unless you're a mother. Like it's, it's true. just like so a secret club intense that it like doesn't matter whether you had a natural birth or a cesarean birth or a breastfeeding or bottle feeding like it doesn't matter. Like there is this this womanhood like support that you feel. And it's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. (laughs) And it's an an adjustment, especially a new mother. So it was like kind of like, whoa, I don't have that. Mm. Like you're not on my team. Like I support you, you know, no matter what you choose, you know. So it was kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of feeling. And and then I just decided to stand in my own power. And I I literally (laughs) went, yeah, I'll do TMZ. Why not? Yeah, I'll do the morning show. Yes. Why not? It was like literally this like every every country was coming at me for like morning shows or for or an like, answer about yeah. You know, it and shouldn't be so shocking. No offense. No. That an Olympian <laughs> can do a headstand. Can do a headstand. <laughs> And just so happened to breastfeed at the same time. But also, it, like, I think you summed it up beautifully. It was a celebration. It was a celebration for It was me. never yeah. meant to be anything else but that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think, and not not to make it into this big thing because it was like there was an overwhelming amount of support and people thinking it was beautiful. Good. But, you know, there was, oh, and that's why I addressed it, there was just some people that were comparing themselves to me and I'm like, of course, it's not a realistic representation of breastfeeding. I don't breastfeed like that every day. But that's not what you were saying it was either. <laughs> no, it was yeah. just like for me a, f- a moment of my motherhood journey that I was celebrating. The raw beauty of a baby just finding the boob no matter what. Unbelievable. You, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and it, it really it really rattled me. I was just kind of like, oh, okay. But then, like you said, then you what, stood in it and you owned it. And yeah. And I think it is a beautiful. I was unapologetically me. Good girl. Which um, I think you are in general. Yeah. I think, I think so. That's what I love about you. I think anyone that meets you knows that about you. And you can fall in and out of that and that's okay too. Well, and then I've got a potty mouth. So, you know, super sweet, and then that I got a potty too. mouth. That too. I also, how, many, how many times have I sweared already? Yeah, no, we're going to have to edit this. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back through this tape and do some serious. No, that we are keeping it real and talking about our truths. And I think, I mean, it would seem obvious that we would obviously deep dive into snowboarding, but it's it's really, for me, I think it's so interesting how you've transitioned from being an Olympic champion, from being the snowboarder that you were, to being a documentarian, to being mm. a mentor, to being, you know, a mother. That is the interesting part of you. I mean, you've 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 gone straight into your new journey, which is where you are now as a mum, which will be your journey for a while. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Can't give him back. Yeah, he's only two and a half. <laughs> so it's a long journey. It's a long road. But I'm I mean, is is that one of the things you're most proud of? Hundred percent. She's just nodding at me. It's beautiful. <laughs> you can't see that, but she's just absolutely hundred like, percent. Yes. Oh my gosh! I mean, how is Flo? Oh, he's two and one month. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he. I mean, he's gorgeous. Just joy. I saw him yesterday. He's joy. He 
slaps me, he kisses me, he cuddles me, mm. <laughs> he wants boobies. He's very passionate about booby. I'm still breastfeeding. Um, yeah. And, you know, I literally, like I said earlier, I wake up every day to this, like, like it's like a drug. It's like mm. this hit when he wakes up and, you know, he's still in bed with me and we love it. He's just, he's the best. I, it's funny, like, pregnancy and growing a human, like, you know, I actually didn't know whether I was ever going to have babies, which is interesting. I knew mm. I wanted them, but, you know, I was... You're so naturally I was in maternal and Auntie Mummy, I tried to get my nephews to call me Auntie Mummy. Didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just uh, always wanted it, um, you know, deep into my snowboarding life, getting married quite early, that not working out, and then mm. deciding that, like, well, screw it. You know, if I'm if I'm 35 and no life partner, you know, in sight, I'm going to have babies on my own. Mm. I was like, I want that that female experience in this body. Yes. And so, um, yeah, getting pregnant, it's funny. There's never a right time. <laughs> Beautifully said. It's like crazy. Even if you want it. And like when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh, shit. You know, and I was like wanting it for many, many years. But even when I got what I wanted, it was like, oh, no, oh, no, here we go. Like, really? I'm doing this? <laughs> never the right time and never enough preparation, really, no, like a lot of no. things. Yeah, and once you're in it, you're just like, you know, you, you're, you're on the journey. And like, I don't know, just being pregnant and still working on snow, like photo shoots and stuff. So I was like amazing. 24 weeks, like hiking around the Pyrenees. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um it was challenging for sure physically physically it was really really hard but by the time i could get back to oz and rest and sit through like the rest of my pregnancy it was like it was the most beautiful time because at the same time it was like i'd never had that time to relax like sit and and i got to be with my baby growing in my tummy i got to give back to myself i got to you know, settle in and prepare for this major life change and prepare for birth, which is like, I think some people thought I was a bit nuts, but it's like, you don't know what birth you're going to get handed. And I was like literally using all the mental games that I played when I was snowboarding, preparing for a home birth. Wow. Um, and, you know, it was mainly visualization, but all the, you know, mantras and I had, you know, sat down, done art with my mantras that were then put on like this birth altar. <laughs> um, really? And yeah, like visualization, you know, I and, you know, there's more than one way to get the result you wanted. I knew that, you know, birth can go anyway. Mm. Um, mm. Home birth, uh, fully trusted that process, knew it was the right choice for me. But if I need to be in hospital, that's fine, you know. So I surrendered to at all, but I visualized a lot. That's a huge takeaway from or like transferable skill from sport. Yeah. Yeah. That you were able to use in that moment. Totally. And you can use it for anything. Mm -hmm. Like anything. My mom first taught me through sport, you know, I would have been an eleven year old kid. And my mom, you know, in inter schools, <laughs> she's like, visualize yourself on the podium where you want to be. Yes. And so mom was teaching me this skill like really, really early on. And where I really learned to harness it was coming into the 2010 Olympics. Yes. Because I was out with kind of like my first real head injuries. Um, and I literally didn't know I was going to compete. I got on the plane to Vancouver feeling okay. I was going to get checked out when I got to the village and you know, and I just kind of surrendered that I maybe wasn't even going to compete because I realized that it didn't matter with the concussions, you know. <laughs> I was passing all my, you know, baseline things. Mm. Like I was cleared to compete every time, but I kept hitting my head. But I felt I knew I wasn't right still. So I... You're not after... It's a head injury. Yeah. Even though it's I was... no joke. My heart rate was fine. I didn't get headaches. I was... My balance was fine. You know, I was meeting all these markers but I just kept screwing up and hitting my head. Mm. And so for weeks, I think it was like three weeks or so, I was like, I'm heavy, kind of like 
bed rest, no screens, in dark rooms. Like that's how they told you to do it back then. There Manage wasn't like a lot of head injury, no yeah, information. Like it was all new to me too. Yeah. yeah. And I just I visualized. Mm. And what I did was um I saw myself standing on top of the podium, mm. putting my arms in the air. Yes. <laughs> And then as I could see that clearly, I used to then generate it in color. I love that. And then I used to generate it in with sound. Yes. And I used to hear myself being called up to the podium. Tora Bright from Australia. Tora Bright. Yes. Ah, you know? <laughs> and I had to keep working on it because I used to hear other people's names before I heard myself. Wow. So I just had to do it and do it and do it. Until until I saw and and felt, I physically felt the emotions of me winning the Olympics. So it's like I was already and it now becomes I this learned it. experience. And, and now then, I understand it, right? Because mm. I started following Dr. Joe Dispenza. <laughs> <laughs> and he talks about how it's like you're literally living that future reality. Correct. Teaching mm-hmm. the mind and the body that it's had that experience. Yeah, already it so knows it, can it. Have it's it again. Going towards it. Yes. And um, the power of visualization. It's out of this world. So, yeah, I, that's what I did to make it to the Olympics. And there was something happening. Like, I felt okay, but I just, I had to surrender and I had to just trust. And, you know, I barely trained. <laughs> I fell my first run in the finals. <laughs> okay. So, before we jump, jump ahead, like, take this is an amazing pressure cooker moment. Right. I think it for me, I believe it's mindfulness at its highest form almost. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah. Because I think it's a perfect example, you know, of just the enormous pressure you must have felt, right? Because you had. Let me say, when I actually did win, it was utter relief that I felt, oh, not wow. joy. Wow. It was just like, whoo, 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 whoo. <laughs> phew. Yes. <laughs> and you mean, Relief because you know, of the expectation. Of course, follows anxiety. It follows mm-hmm. distress. That's what relief well, is. I think related that's why I was to hitting my head too. To be honest, yes, <laughs> no doubt. Finding a reason not to deliver, kind of thing. My body, you know, a way out. Wow, <laughs> wow, what an amazing! I mean, you didn't know that at the time. No. Let's circle back to the relief, but I want to talk about in that moment if you're comfortable mm. talking. I mean, we all know about the gold moment, right? That's what everyone knows and sees and remembers. And it yeah. was a magical, beautiful moment <laughs> that it was. I mean, I was lucky enough to be at that Olympics with you yeah. and see you in and around that event, which in itself was inspi- was inspiring. But I think if we think about what mindfulness is and it's this ability to be aware of our state, essentially, and, you know, to be aware of what's going on inside us, but also around us. So you're, you're standing at the top of an Olympic course. There's other athletes, other coaches, there's weather conditions, you know, there's all this like situational awareness going on around you and stress. But in that moment also, like you said, you've fallen in your first run. You've now come back up to do your second run. It's in reverse order, which is the worst for you because now you're going last, right? Yes. Which is so much pressure in that. So Alone. so people understand I qualified first in yes. the finals. So then I dropped first because I fell. Mm-hmm. I got the worst score. Mm-hmm. So then, oh, no, sorry, I, I qualified first, mm. so I dropped last. Yes. And then I fell, so I got the worst score, so I'm last. So then it's reverse. So the last person goes first. So no one dropped between my first run and my second run. It was me. I had to just do the loop and drop in again. Go back and yeah. do it again. So in that moment, like of stillness or awareness, if you will, at the top of the course when you're about to drop in again, when it feels like the world is against you in that moment, how do you dig deep and find that resilience or like that courage or that that belief in yourself still when you've, you know, you've put yourself in this very tough situation? I mean, in that moment, what, how do you, you know, how, how, what are you, what's your thoughts? What's going through <laughs> your mind in that moment? You oh know? my gosh. Well, I'm going to paint a little picture for you, Please right? Please do. I'm going to take you back to 2006 for a second. Okay. So 2006, 
I was working so hard to set myself apart from the rest of the competitors. And I was working on tricks that no girl, or, you know, maybe one of the older girls were doing switch backside tricks, but I was doing really hard combos. And it's combinations. Yeah, combinations of, those of tricks. Yeah. Yeah. So, and spinning means the, oh, what is it? <laughs> unnatural. unnatural. So I'm goofy. Backwards, essentially. Yeah, backwards. Yeah. So I'm goofy, but I was doing tricks natural. So I was spinning switch front side, switch backside, which not a lot of guys were doing mm. at all. And, you know, a lot of people were actually even questioning me in this route. It was my brother's idea. He had the vision. Mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, okay, he had the belief in my ability. And Mm. I was like, yep, yep, cool, let's do it. And so many people, like, including, you know, my fellow competitors Mm. were just kind of like, Tora, why don't you just learn a frontside nine? And then you'd just be like everyone else, pretty much. And I'm like, well, that's what I don't want to be. No, I think um, that non-traditional approach yeah. was and, what made you yeah. the athlete <laughs> Well, it turns you out were. it was like… <laughs> turns out. <laughs> it was a great way to go. But, you know, Sean White was one of those. And he, wow. I was training one day and he goes, literally, Tora, why don't you just learn a front nine? And in my mind, I'm like, well, yeah, I could. But then it's a battle of the 900s where I want to set myself apart. Anyway, I guess that was fuel for me because I ended up keep working on switch backside and I did a switch backside 540 over Sean's head because I was struggling, right? I'm going back to basics. I'm learning something over. I'm doing it backwards. So it took time. (laughs) It takes time. So anyway, I turn up to 2006 Olympics, got my run all sorted. I land my run and I'm fifth. Like that run got me second in the X Games right before. Weeks before, right? Weeks before. So. Somehow, I'm fifth. And, you know, me, I'm pretty like, I actually, if people didn't make a big deal out of it, I'd just be like, well, oh, okay. Mm. But like, people were just like, Tora. People made shit. a big deal out of it. <laughs> pretty much the best thing anybody said to me was like, one of, <laughs> one of the girls was just like, shit. Just shook her head and just went, shit. And I was like, that's actually the best thing anyone said to mm. me. It's just like, can't control it. Damn it, you know? But a lot of the coaches were just like, well, Tori, you're going to win a lot of events with that run. Just keep doing your thing. So yeah. it was like, it was notable that maybe they didn't quite understand what was going on. Which the significance is, and the technicality yeah, of what you were actually which is doing. A bummer, right? Like that would have been I my mean, third Olympic medal. I can think of other words than bummer, but sure, let's go with bummer. <laughs> Uh, um, devastation comes to mind. Yeah, I think my mum was devastated. Me, I still was just kind of just kept going. Mm-hmm. So I won every event that season. Brilliant. With the same run. Brilliant comeback. Mm. With the same run. <laughs> With the same run. Yeah. And one of the judges did say to my brother, he's like, yeah, we just didn't know what she was doing. I was like, huh? What do you mean? You didn't know what she was doing. Wow. Anyway, um, so there's a little bit of hindsight. So we're coming into the 2010 Olympics. Mm -hmm. We're at the finals, Mm -hmm. at the top. The industry, the community Mm. had won every event for that four years, pretty much. Yeah. Top of your game. They were at the top of your game. I felt the support that they wanted. Like my friends, my competitors, like, of course, everyone wants to do their best, but I felt that they really wanted me to land. Because if I land, I, I, I win. Mm-hmm. And so when I got up to the top on the second run, like it was like people, it was like this nervous energy that I, I could see. Mm. And feel, know? yeah. And I think like for me, I, you know, people were like, oh, you got this, you know. <laughs> and, mm. and yeah, I was nervous, but I was able to just like, for me, if I could be just like playful and other people play back with me, that's how I was in my element. I was joy. You know, I was mm. joyful. I was snowboarding, doing my Superpower. thing. Superpower. Yeah. yeah. And to be able um, to manage your own energy, yeah. I think, and others like yeah. that. So I, um, something just kept me up. Something just kept blocking that nervousness. Um, you know, I, I literally didn't, I just, I remember coming down, seeing some faces. Some people said some things. Like mm. other people turned away. 
got my board brushed and then I went down to drop in again and my brother's there and he's just like, he's just wide-eyed, like red, wide eyes. And he just looked at me, I think hand on the shoulder and he's like, it's been so long since I've told this, but I think the words were, I have a supreme belief in your ability. Wow. Like, and that's the last thing I remember him saying to me. I think we knuckled and I dropped and in. in. Yeah. And it literally feels like it was muscle memory took over. And maybe that is that flow state that everyone talks about. I've never read mm. into flow state, mm. but like I was present. Nothing else was anywhere, <laughs> you know? You're in the zone. Yeah. Yeah. Muscle you memory. You were in the flow, exactly. In that moment. So it wasn't even about, I guess, the collection of your thoughts in that moment. It was almost really that belief in your ability. Mm-hmm. and your brother yeah. was able to remind you of that. Do you think you needed to be reminded of that in that moment or did you have it? Did you be- believe it or did that help you? Yeah, I think those words as like um, as interesting as they were, like, you know, Benny's like that, like he's very, I don't know, what's the word? Like he can be quite profound sometimes. Yes, And very so much like so. those words were like, whoa, yeah. And to be honest, like... Because he meant it and yeah, you knew he did. Yeah. yeah. And I, I knew that everybody knew that too. You know, like there mm. was this like... Collective... Energy. Yeah. Um, and I would always wait to drop in until I, a smile came to my face. And I knew I was ready. That joy. So, yeah. I love that. So, yeah, it was like... there, and And in a way... The scenario that was given to me where no one dropped in between me, I didn't have time to think. Yeah, okay. So it was kind of perfect. <laughs> yeah. There was no time to think. There was no time to second guess myself. There was no time, you know, it was just, all right. I came here and I had a, a job to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And I'd seen it. It's like I'd already lived it. Yeah. My body just did it. <laughs> That's am- It's almost like an out-of-body Yeah, it kind of felt like it. Well, like you said, I mean, you could call that mindfulness because you weren't affected by what was going on Mm -hmm. around you. I mean, you touched on the flow state, which I'm surprised you say you haven't explored because there was an assumption for me that that's why you named your son Flo. (laughs) (laughs) Don't people just assume that's why? Maybe. I want want to circle back on something you said earlier because it's so interesting what you said about that pressure moment and relief that that's what you felt, you know, because there was elements of joy, like you said, when you dropped in and that smile came about. And then, of course, there was uh, the win. Like you won the Olympics, like the pinnacle of sport. And the first thing that comes to mind for you is relief. I mean, how do you manage that combination of success in that moment, ultimately combined with that relief? you know, but then compounded by the serious injury that you're also managing. There was a lot going on for you in that moment. Yeah, I think, um, I I mean, for me, I've never gauged my self-worth by my accolades. So like, yes, there's been moments of disappointment, but I don't take it home. Like I don't get angry. I don't like, you know, looking back, I'm just kind of like, yeah, three Olympic medals would have been good, you know. <laughs> we all just take that in um, for a moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Terry Harkinson thinks that my second medal, my silver, should have been a gold, so I'll take that too, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, it was literally, I'm a pleaser. Mm-hmm. I'm just going just gonna to put it simple. I... I like to live up to people's expectations or, you know, I I now know that. And I think part of that journey was like and and why it affected me so much in that mental game and, you know, it was me being mentally weak because my body chose to get me out of it, mm. you know. It gave me a way out. I could have said no at any point, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm injured. I've been mm. told I can't. Mm. Um, the injury almost gives you permission. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, I 
how how do I put it? I guess I guess like everything being built up with like the industry behind me, which which I really cared about. Of course, mm. I care about their approval. Mm. Like mm. I care about style. I you know I care about everything that makes you a a core snowboarder in a way. You know, yeah. and I had that show through in my writing and. And so I had the industry um, behind me wanting me to win finally. Yes. And then coming into an Olympic year, especially from Australia, Australia doesn't follow the professional tour like they do tennis or golf or you know but it but it is like that there's a professional tour we got the u.s open of snowboarding we got the i mean you you very much were instrumental in putting us on the map for snowboarding there's no doubt but i think if we think back to those moments when we're at junior worlds when we were 13 and 14 years ago it was like being on the jamaican bobsled team yeah so (laughs) removed totally from yeah you know the australian eye yeah as a sport it was like, who? well, and we have so much heritage, actually. There were two brothers that were like World Cup skiers. One of them won mm. a FIS World Cup. Mm. Like there, there actually is rich heritage mm-hmm. in snow sports in Australia. It's really crazy that it's not more, I guess, in our mainstream sports anyway. Hey, more now. More, more now. now. So it's 100% celebrated more, more I yeah. think. But it's taken time. Yeah. But do they really follow the professional tour in northern winter no i think you're right i think yeah. it comes around every it's four still years not for the Olympics. every four years they, mm-hmm. they they tune in they care you know i still um, had people this year saying to me i you know commentating the olympics this year yeah. this is my third time commentating the olympics that makes me feel so old <laughs> since i've retired so that's like four olympic cycles essentially yeah. and pe- only this year in 2022 did people and friends, people close to me in my inner circle say, like, wow. I never really understood that that's what you did. Like, that was, wow, that was your sport? <laughs> you know, and you're like, wow, like, like the awareness huh. is really just, it's, yeah. a, it's been a journey. Yeah. Winter sports has been a real journey. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think like that energy changes everything. Too. Yes. Like all of a sudden you've got your whole country who doesn't understand exactly where you sit, you know, and they have maybe unrealistic expectations or they have an expectation that this is how it happens, mm. you know, mm. and judge sports, you know. It's, yes. It can be subjective. Very when, subjective, you know, yes. Every Olympics there is um, judging uproar. Um, so it's not uncommon. But, yeah, I think getting to that Olympics, like it was, it was a lot for me because – I was a little bit angry. I'm just kind of like, you guys care about it now? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. And um, and I kept in every… for so long. Well, and, and in like all the press interviews, I'd be like, it's, it's actually a less competitive event than the professional tour because mm. they take four people from each country. You know, yes, there's it's more, less of a field. Yeah, people don't it's less understand. of a field. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it was… All of a sudden, there's all this talk, all this hype, all everything, you know, that it just I think got to me. And so, yeah, my 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 mind gave my body an out. Wow. I had I had every reason to say I can't compete, you know. And the fact that I was able to sit in a dark room, fully surrender, and just visualize. Mm. Um, I think it was, um, yeah, it was, it was just, it, it was literally the exact scenario that needed to happen <laughs> in a way. Wow. And to top it off too, like arriving in Vancouver and getting the clear, you know, and as I said to myself, even and if I'm cleared, I won't, medical compete, clearance to I won't compete. compete if I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but then I was called into the chef demissions office and was asked to carry the Australian flag. And what a moment that was kind of this perfect counterbalance of like, you know, because as I kind of expressed, I'm just kind of like, well, you guys don't get it, but you have all these expectations and you know, all of it. <laughs> and then, and then it was of- like, it was like, oh, thank you, like for kind of just I don't know it was being offered that like amazing honor um, Mm. and experience was kind of like oh 
changed your state completely. Yeah, completely. Sometimes it's hard to have that team around you that you want to need in those times of Exactly, because you don't take away something someone's used to, right? when you want them to perform at their best. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know. Everything just kind of happened the way it should. Fell into place. Yeah, fell into place. And so I think that, you know, I I don't know, that that relief I felt was, (sighs) it was like I didn't lay you down. Wow. (laughs) Phew. You know, and maybe it was a compounding thing from the last ones because I think, my mom felt it hard, you know, and maybe my brother did too. I don't know. And, and it was, it was unjust, you know, it was like judging crap, you know, but like, I didn't necessarily feel it. It was like other people's projections, you know, I was like, I oh, felt like unfinished business maybe. Kind of, yeah. And you just came full circle on it finally. Yeah. And oh my gosh, I forgot something about the lead up to. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So before in 2009, I was like, okay, I'm going to learn doubles. I'm going to be by far the best, that there is no way a judge can judge me out of top position. Mm. So I was learning double flips. So I was doing double cripplers in the half pipe. And I learned them in Hard to be subjective when you're obviously doing something that no one else can do. Yeah. 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 So I was learning those in New Zealand and then I had taken it to um, the pre-training in December. And I... I was starting to lose my nerve, like doing mm. it. I'd do like five of them and I just wasn't getting the right angle. So I was kind of, you know, my edge was parallel to the coping and, mm. and you've got to be that little extra rotation so that you're landing on transition and riding to the next wall, wall smoothly. So like And safely. Yeah. So I was, I was landing them, but I wasn't, it was an ender, you know, and that for me isn't good enough. So... <laughs> Needs to be perfect. There's that A-type personality. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, I was, I was literally, I'd do four or five of them and I'd lose my nerve. And I said to my brother one day, I was like, I was literally shaking. I was physically shaking. And I said to my brother, I was like, I've got to stop. And, you know, obviously it's on him too. Like he feels the responsibility. He's, he's managing and putting everything else in place around me so I can be my best and blah, blah, blah. Of course, there's an element of safety Everyone has their moments, Mm -hmm. you know. But he he literally just snaps at me and goes, if you're not doing 10 a day, you're never going to do it. Like, you have to do 10 a day. Wow. Benny. And I was just kind of like, okay. And so I go up and I do it again. I catch my chin on the coping I remember this. Um, and I break my teeth. And I was just like, I mean, if anything happens to a face, a female face, like, I care. Oh, right? I'm cringing. Having just... a zit right here is hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and Vanity aside, it was a fairly serious injury. Yeah, I chipped my bottoms, I chipped my top, and that would have been a concussion too that wasn't noted as a yeah, concussion because when the jaw clanks that hard, like mm. it's... And the whiplash. Um, the you whiplash know, not alone. To mention. Yeah. So, like, I literally flew out that night, got to a dentist to fix my teeth mm. that morning. I don't know. The next morning, I don't know, whatever. It all happened really quickly um, because I have to be on my game. I can't, like, mm-hmm. wait. I have to just get it. You know, I have to be back on snow. I have to train. I have to, like, everything was just so chaotic. So, this adds to the story. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot it. Um, and then comes January and I start hitting my head and that's when I am out in wow. a dark room. So there was there was more to it. Like I was self-driven. Like I was going to be the best by far so that they can't judge me in fifth again. Mm. <laughs> yes. yes, as much as you said at the time it didn't affect you, but how's that carryover mm. for you yeah. years later? How, how is that mashing that out? I'm like, yeah, of course it like... <laughs> affected <laughs> yeah. me, you know, and everything yeah. else you did in the lead up to the, those yeah. next Olympics. Yeah. I mean, the injury was serious too. I mean, the head injury is is not s- something to sneeze at. You know, um, I didn't have any understanding of uh, pain management yeah. and injury until I obviously went through it all myself and those links, t- especially to how it affected my mental health back then. Yeah. As we've discussed, we're like innately such happy, healthy people yeah. and how it can put you, like you said, on your ass 
that process forces you to be so open-minded mm-hmm. about so many healing modalities and being well and getting back into a good state of health. But just, you know, top level, tell me, you know, what helped you the most in that sort of healing phase or injury phase? Um, I think um, it's like so hard to answer that on a top level. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Give me all levels. (laughs) Because I think there's like, there's different levels of injury and being flat on your ass, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? There's Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. scenarios that you don't have to dig as deep. You don't have to use your whole being. (laughs) There's different strengths spraining your ankle. Mm. And And then having your femur or like, (laughs) you know. Correct. And then having something that literally, you know, doesn't just leave you in a a physical and mental, mentally sad state, but also like removes you from your career and attachments to all these other. Yeah. So I guess, I guess it's, um, I actually wished that something worse happened to me in a way because (laughs) only because like a concussion, it's, it's like, it's invisible. And so you go through this like psychological mind fuck. And that's what it kind of started happening to me because I was just kind of like, well, why do I feel like this? Like I just watched so-and-so hit their head and and they're fine or Mm. they're fine after two days. And I'm like, you know, it was like this comparing thing Mm. that, that started to happen. And, you know, I recovered from every head injury doing, you know, hyperbaric chambers, dark rooms, you know, um, cranial sacral, like all sorts of things. Yeah. But it wasn't until um, I, uh, I think it was 2016, I was just really unhappy competing. And I yeah. knew I was done, but there was some things that were happening in life that didn't work out that I ended up um, just going, okay, well, I just do it for this year, you know. Mm. And I went to my first event of the season. It was either 2016 or 17, 2016, I think. And um, I hit my head and it wasn't bad at all. I just knew I wasn't right. I pulled out of the event and I rested for a couple of days. Like I didn't get out of bed for a powder day. Who doesn't do that? Right. You know, so I knew it wasn't okay. But That's I serious. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but I knew I needed to rest. And so, um, you know, normal concussion things for me, like, you know, noise and light was irritating. Um, mm. It wasn't bad though. It was just that, you know, whereas I had way worse concussions where I was like, I felt like I was drowning in a boat when my, my head would turn. You know, it was like, it's not bad. And and I was like, I'm fine. And I had a full schedule to go on with. I had campaign shoots and um, a heli trip and, you know, all these things. I went on the heli trip, had to sit a couple of days out because I just was not okay. Mm. Um, and Again, and, out of character. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't go heli? Turns down a heli skiing day. <laughs> yeah. Heli boarding. And, you know, and I think at that point I just didn't want to accept that that was it because, you know, I should have just been down now, you know, resting. But I was like, felt like I had to work and was on my computer. And I'm like, oh, anyway, I'm such a silly person. Sometimes I am. Got to learn lessons a few times over. Um, Sometimes we have to keep doing yeah, it until we learn. Yeah. But I, I actually decided or thought that it was a good idea to go on a campaign shoot with Roxy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, by the end of that shoot, like I knew things weren't right because like I was kind of void of emotion. Mm. I was sleeping most of the day. I would be woken up out of bed for um, the shoots I was doing. We did have a heli trip where I wow. Kinda, uh, it was it was really unstable and things were popping everywhere. And we was like you know it was no no danger kind of area to be. And, you know, small hill, flat run out, if anything went, it would be fine. And it did. And I got taken out and, you know, taken you're, for a ride. In you're referring to, to an, a small a, avalanche. A, yeah, yeah. A, a big slough. Mm. We'll just say that. The, there was, it was going to be fine. Um, but it's still a bit rattling, right? And I just remember thinking like… And slow moving avalanche. Uh, He's very rattling. Yeah. Tora. yeah. <laughs> but I just knew something was off then because I was just kind of 
Mm. Whatever. It just nothing. Apathy, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And so I finished that shoot, but I knew I needed to go home. Like I just knew I wasn't okay because mm. I just kept on regressing. And so, so you're um, pushing too hard. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. yeah. I mean, hundred percent. But but it did worry me that I had a brain bleed or something because that's what you regress. You know, course. you keep getting worse over time. Mm. And anyway, I got back to Australia. Um, got a brain scan, uh, an MRI, and nothing shows on it. Just like every other time, mm. you know. But I and then that makes you question yourself. Mm which is part of that chronic pain cycle, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, headaches. I mean, I wish I could remember exactly because I need a list, yeah. but it was like everything that could be wrong was like I couldn't track read. I was like losing vision out of one eye for bits of time. I couldn't walk. Like if I walked for 15 minutes, I needed to taxi home kind of thing. Like it was I couldn't exhaust State my exhaustion. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. What was it? Like uh, we joke now. But <laughs> I was nicknamed Banner after the fact. <laughs> what? Because I was like the Hulk. I would go from zero to hero. Yeah. And so, like, it was, it was funny. It was like when I was at the state of recovery, Angus is, Angus is like, Banner. Banner could be your nickname. <laughs> you know, we can laugh about it now. I was like, I was like, yeah. Yeah, for Eric, yeah, forever, forever, Eric Banner. To yeah, me um, now. Banner. Moving forward, I love that. Um, which is like, you know, I'm passionate, but not like that. Not, not the way right. I was. You know, to just um, have that. You know, and I was, I became very um, to a shell of myself, like mm. absolute shell of yourself. And then, like, your mind starts. You let your mind talk crazy to you, pretty much. I think like, in those states of overwhelmed sometimes it's very hard to think clearly right and yeah. our brains naturally can jump to these negative yeah thoughts yeah you know well and then you've got people not always, telling you that um maybe this is the new you maybe oh, you should just accept that yeah that's I'm and i'm not sure who said that to you i can't time. remember who like what exactly i said but i was offered medication and i was pretty much like fuck off Mm. <laughs> to me, that was not an option. Yeah, but like, um, well, it, it never had needed to be. No, for you and I, I think there's nothing wrong with medication, and it's everyone's different. But, but I think, what is it going to fix? It's going to mask the issue. It's not going to fix what's happening to my body if you're not, you know, in a place where you can manage what was going on yeah. either. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't the right answer for you. No, in that moment, no. I mean, what did you learn from that? And I think, I mean, you and I have talked about this off air too. We have the tendency to push ourselves too hard, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I mean, mm -hmm. it's a big part of being an athlete, I think, and the type of personality that we are. And we tend to do things at 110%, you know, and there's elements of that in us still. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we've changed a lot. We do things differently. We definitely, I, I mean, I, I'd like to believe that we look after our bodies actually a lot better now as retired athletes than we did as professional athletes <laughs> in some ways <laughs> and days more than others. But like what do you think you do differently now to, you know, nurture and manage and, you know, look um, after yourself? Well, as I used the term collateral beauty at the beginning, mm. like that was totally this for yes. me like hitting like without going into detail and like freaking crying because it was like rock bottom for me um uh without that I never would have regained my health back the way I did wow. because I was just continuing on like pretty much functioning at 70 percent always tired, always, you know, like, and what I had to go through to find the answer to heal from, from this was what, like, I was, by the end of this, you know, it took me a while to find the right people to guide me through. Mm. You're just in autopilot. Um, sorry? You're in autopilot. Yeah, totally, mm. totally autopilot. Um, that, yeah, I'm just like, it was literally 
learning to retrain myself mm. because I was in this level of dysfunction that was like, I mean, I wasn't functioning. So unhealthy. It yeah. was um, physically like I was like, I say depleted. I, 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 insomnia, everything. Like I was, I was done. <laughs> and literally finding, like I was pretty determined. I was going to find the answer. I stumbled across an article from Chuck Norris. No way. Mm-hmm. I say Chuck Norris saved my life because he was telling a story about his wife. I was researching about the contrast fluid that's used in MRI. Um, it's injected Scanning. into it's a dye, yeah, because mm. I had a reaction. Um, okay. And it was kind of dismissed, but I was just kind of like, I'm worse off now. Like, it's not because of the noise. Mm. <laughs> anyway, his wife almost died because of the reaction to the contrast. She had uh, arthritis or something. It was, wow. and was having them over and over. And so I came to the conclusion that I was heavy metal poisoned. And so then it led me, like, you know, my little sister actually sent me an interview and go, listen, at this time, um, I think this guy could help you. And he was a um, Dr. Pomper who had his own heavy metal poisoning journey. And um, he literally cried for 45 minutes when I um, got off my first meeting with him because I was like, he's the first person who gets it. And it's not one thing. That's why I'm just kind of like, what's the one thing? You know, it's like, and and everybody. No, this was a journey for you. This took you down this road of starting to really understand what was going on yeah. and starting to feel, I think, seen and heard and understood is all part of mm-hmm. and not solving dismissed pain. Yes. Because I'm not a victim. Mm. I don't want to feel like this. This no. is not the rest of my life. And this man like literally heard me and had an answer. I didn't know if it was going to work, but I didn't have anything else. Like I'd found certain things to help me. Mm. Like, you know, I was using CBD oil um, and that like helped a lot. I was learning how to meditate. Like and yes. that helped a lot. I was doing all the Joe Dispenza um, meditations. I was reading his books. Um, I was learning about the brain and diet. Like before I found this guy, I was on to brain grain and like all these, all these books where I was just kind of like, okay, diet. Um, yeah, you weren't just looking outside of you. No. As well, for someone to help you. You yeah. were doing, you know, the work that was required. Yeah. You were you yeah. were looking for tools. Yeah. You were and to be open honest, minded. You know, at, at when when you are that low, you can't you can't put yourself into fifty minute meditation. It's not gonna work. Mm. Literally sit with mindfulness and listen to your thoughts, listen to what you hear around you. Like that's literally all you have to do sometimes. Just just acknowledge it. And move on. What's the next? What's the next? You know, with but, no judgment. No judgment. Yeah. But for me, one of the most basic things was like, and this is crazy to admit, like, because I was literally rebuilding myself from like everything, the way I thought, the way I talked, like I I had to <laughs> use a journal called the five minute journal, which in the morning you wrote three things you're grateful for. I have the five minute journal. Yeah, it's I amazing. Love it. It's amazing. Amazing. And like I needed that guidance because I couldn't think of Gave one you thing. The framework. I literally couldn't think of one thing I was grateful for. That's no. how that's how screwed I was. I was my body was physically pained. I wasn't sleeping mentally, emotionally. Like you just I was gone. I was like a you know, nearly a year into this with no answers. Like <laughs> getting a little bit better. So like when you're in those moments of despair. Mm-hmm. When mindfulness feels so out of reach. Yeah, it's crazy that that's that it does, right? Right. What do you draw on to cope? Gratefulness, pretty much. Wow. Think of those like, and it was funny with the framework, like you said, um, of that five-minute journal, it was just kind of like, well, yeah, why couldn't I see that? But it was like it took days for me to find three things. You know, it was all because I wasn't grateful that wow. I had my health. <laughs> I didn't have my health. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was grateful. Oh, and you, when you're in that negative cycle, you see negative. You know, like that's that's what you see. Even though I had a supportive husband and family all around me, it's like mm. you don't see it. <laughs> um, so it was like literally making myself find something, seek it, and then more came. 
Is it discipline? So, uh, is it will? Is it, you know, what I think, were you drawing I think on? it was um, the, well, if I couldn't, I mean, health is everything. So if you don't have it, what do you have? Pretty health much. Is your wealth, as that's, they say. that's why, like, everybody is different. What, you know, I've shared my journey with people mm. and most people don't resonate with what, you know, this doctor took me through keto, um, intermittent fasting, water fasting, and I was heavy metal detoxing at the same time. Wow. Um, every step of the way, my health jumped leaps and bounds. By I think it was like seven months or eight months working with him. I had, I was healthier than I had ever been. Healthier, happier, hotter. Like I was just like, dude, this is the athlete body I wanted. Yeah. Like, you know, I was, I was back working out like everything. So I'm like. Back in your power or back I was, in yourself. I was back in myself. Yeah. Like, but, mm. but it was like literally for people like, I don't know, when you're, when you're, just messy in the head, you have to force yourself to find something that is beautiful or joyful or grateful, even if it's the sun shining. There's so much, like you said, out there. And I think there's such a lesson in what you've said today about researching and being more open-minded and listening to that. I think what you did was even in your lowest moments, were listening to, pardon the pun, your gut, but your intuition and you knew something wasn't right and you were willing to keep searching for the answers to get yourself well again Yeah, or feel your best. Yeah. Well, and like everything we spoke about, like you don't have to have crazy injury, you know. It can be emotional trauma that triggers this. It can be, I don't know, just the stress of, well, a new job. As you like, know, it's something I'm passionate about. It's not always, shouldn't always be reactive. Yeah. You know, we should be taking more of a proactive approach. I to need our to health. hear this right now because <laughs> I can't tell you the last time I worked out. There you go. Busy, busy <laughs> mum life. Well, you know, moving countries and, um, you know, setting up a whole new life. There's been a little bit going on. A little bit. So, yeah. in that, on that note, let's take a moment of mindfulness. Right Please. now, a forced <laughs> okay. moment of mindfulness. But as we know, that's all it takes sometimes, you know, is three to five breaths or just that moment to yourself. But if I was to force you to take a beat or to take a pause and a moment of mindfulness now and just, you know, focus on what you're sensing and feeling in this moment, could you share with me what it is? Um, it just, I just keep hearing breath. <laughs> yes. My mind's just keeping saying breath. Um, and it's what we do every day mm-hmm. automatically. Mm-hmm. And I wish I was taught this in my competitive career, but breath regulates emotion. <laughs> it literally regulates everything. So it's like, that's my go-to. It's what I teach my baby to mm. when he's, you know, I just, I just have to breathe with him. Um, and he follows along sometimes. Um, but yeah, breath. That's what just kept coming to mind. If you don't know how to get mindful, if you can't sit still, just like count. Come back to your breath. Just, yep, yeah, come back to breath and be more conscious of it. Be more aware of it, what you're doing, where the is feeling, you know, you can play around with it too. Mm. I was doing foundation training for a while, which really taught me how to breathe into my ribs and expand and like it's all. Manage your diaphragm. Yes. Manage that breath and that space that we have that's there to be used. Yeah, Yeah, so breath. I was just like, I can't say breath. Breathe, everyone. Of course you can. You can say whatever you like. But, yeah, I think maybe that's one thing too. If you're not into the meditation or the Reiki or whatever, it's like there are so many amazing breathing techniques that can change your world. I always walk away from our catch-ups feeling so nourished, (laughs) so inspired. (laughs) And I can say that as, you know, as a friend, but I think 
if you're listening at home today, you would be feeling, I hope, the same. I mean, thank you for being so open and honest in sharing your I was like, what time is it? Learnings, Steph? your stories, you know. <laughs> we've gone we've gone way over. But I I mean, I was on the edge of my seat and I think the inner workings of your mind are fascinating. And you really took us to some pretty incredible places. And it's a, it's a real privilege and I'm very grateful that you've shared this with all of us today. So thank you. Well, you're a soul sister. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, just being you. <laughs> and I can't wait for to start listening to your podcast. It's going to help so many people. Thank you for being part of that journey. Love you. <laughs> now, before I forget, I really want to celebrate with you the launch of my show by doing an exciting giveaway. I am going to have three lucky winners, and the first winner will win an ultimate women's wellness bundle. It'll include a Vahi fragrance pack valued at $295, a ProPlenish $150 gift voucher, an M-Body pack to support your health up to $120, a Stasenko body brush, and a year of the membership with Nat Kringudis, which is like the Netflix for your hormones, valued at $490. This is the ultimate pack to get your health back on track. The second prize is going to be a mindset and performance coaching session with me, Steph Prem, a one and a half hour of power, potential and performance and tools and training to get your health and happiness back on track. I can't wait to work with you. And the third prize is a Studio PP Pilates pack, which is 10 virtual Pilates classes with me and a tote bag full of complimentary goodies to enhance your workout like Bala ankle weights, foam roller, drink bottle and Pilates socks. Okay, so to enter, I've made it super easy for you. All you need to do is follow the podcast, give it a five-star rating and leave a review on Apple Podcast. And before you hit submit, take a screenshot of your review and send it to me on Instagram at Steffi Prem. So send me your screenshot as a DM. And then as a bonus entry, you can send a screenshot of one of the first three episodes. Pick the one that you love most and share it on your Instagram stories and tag me. Again, I'm at Steffi Prem. And if you don't have an Apple device, you can just send me a DM on Instagram about what you love about the show, and I'll still include you in the giveaway. The giveaway ends on the 18th of October, 23, and I'll be announcing the winner on my Instagram stories on Friday, the 20th of October, 23. I'll be sure to send you a DM and let you know if you are one of the lucky winners. I'll put all of these details in the show notes below for you, and I'll catch you all in the next episode. Thanks so much for joining me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Mindful Mess. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and share from your favourite podcast platform. Mindful Mess is proudly sponsored by Medibank. You're only human and what an incredible human you are.